Ari Rosenbaum here with episode number 270. Uh, this week's topic um, is going to be, you know, all about when it's time to fire the 401k's financial advisor. Um, one of those things we hate to do, but, you know, for some reason we have to, for a lot of reasons we may have to. Of course, uh, go to that 401ksite.com for further information on all our events, that virtual conference in late January. Free if you get my emails, $2 and 20 something cents, $2.24 if you want to pay. Um, and of course, live events, the links are up, but we're not promoting them yet because there are some typos in there. Uh, my, uh, my web guy put up uh, some information concerning the Mets and the Tigers. You won't be able to see the Mets and Tigers if you're going to Dallas or the Bronx, especially the Bronx. But we'll, you know, further announce uh, those events, um, and the links will probably be up by later week, uh, uh, and um, you know, we'll see what happens. And of course, that foreigncasesite.com um, articles, all that kind of stuff. I think I just wrote an article, uh, got posted about my stadium rankings. Um, so. Uh, you can find that a lot of information, and and that's that. Uh, in terms of finding an advisor, you know, listen, there are times when you have to say goodbye. Um, you know, it's that old expression: you're hired to be fired. And there are a lot of reasons why you, you know, have to fire the financial advisor. So many different reasons. There's so many different reasons you got to fire. You know, any type of business partner over the years, it happens. Uh, I've been fired. It's not fun. Most of the time, it's business, not personal. And uh, you know, they're obviously for a you know for a plan sponsor um, in hire in firing a financial advisor. It doesn't happen often, but it happens quite quite a bit. And there are a lot of reasons as to, but it's really time. Obviously, first is when the financial advisor is what I call missing in action. Um, you know. I'll always talk about it to the end of time. Um, I was told to look at my old law firm's 401k plan. Didn't have a financial advisor for 10 years. In in those days, it wasn't odd for a financial advisor, you know, several financial advisors to do nothing for the plan. Get their quarterly fee and never show up. Um, I always talk about... Uh, want to say, yeah, it was a uh, Pennsylvania uh, medical practice, and the broker was getting 60 basis points on a $14 million plan. You know, those were the days when, you know, that was good. That was like 2012, 11, maybe. And um, I was asked to do a review of the plan. And, you know, these retirement plan tune-ups, which, you know, to this day, I still do it for some hundred fifty bucks, and I could probably count on two hands how many I've done over the last 13 years. But uh, one of the questions I had for the medical practice was, you know, where's your education materials? Where, you know, where are your fiduciary materials that your advisors provided to you? And they had nothing because the advisor uh, that, uh, you know, one of the other doctors had hired, I don't know how they got juiced in or whatever it was, uh, they never showed up. Got broke. It was a broker of record. Never showed up. Was getting paid his eighty-four grand a year, and I said, "Well, you know, 
this isn't uh, this isn't the right way. Uh, you have a participant directed 401k plan, and the advisor is just really uh, not there, collecting a huge fee and putting you at risk. So, needless to say, the broker was fired. They hired a 338 advisor who was charging 25 bips. So they're saving a massive amounts of money. And more importantly, putting plant participants in a better position to make uh, more informed investment decisions, which of course lowers the liability potential for plant sponsors. I call those advisors who just do nothing uh, milk carton advisors. They were more prevalent 20 years ago uh, than they are today. Um, I believe that the marketplace, um, you know, I think people will agree that plant sponsors are a lot smarter, you know, certainly a lot more knowledgeable over the last, you know, 20 years, uh, thanks to all the articles and, and you know, about litigation and uh, obviously the fee disclosure has certainly helped. Uh, and, uh, you know, the problem is that, you know, they are still some financial advisors that are out there that are milk carton advisors, you know, and that's because I call them that because plan sponsors haven't seen them so long that their face should be pictured on a milk carton, just like, you know, with missing kids and whatnot. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, you know, there might be certain situations as to why that happens. Sometimes, um, the plan is with a brokerage firm or advisory firm, and the advisor or broker that they work with is no longer there, so they become like an orphan um, and just left there on the books, and nobody tends to it. Uh, and you know, there are certain you know reasons why the advisor likes to do nothing and get paid for it. There are a lot of people out there with a work work ethic who like to do nothing, sit at home, and not work. Reminds me of my brother-in-law. But, uh, you know, this is, this is what it is. You know, some people don't like to work, um, but uh, they shouldn't be paid for it. And, uh, you know, my brother-in-law retired early in his early 50s to do an eBay business, which, you know, whatever. But uh, next, uh, as is the reason why you have to fire a financial advisor, the financial advisor is not managing the fiduciary process. The role of a financial advisor, obviously, is to, you know, assist the plan sponsor, limit their liability, pick an investment fund lineup, uh, but, you know, obviously pick an investment lineup, replace them, select them based on a criteria set forth in an inve in, uh, investment policy statement. Um, and if the plan is participant-directed, education plan participants, the financial advisors, you know, assisting the fiduciary process, they need to be replaced, uh, you know, if the, if the financial advisor is not assisting, um, they need to place they're not performing an integral part of their job. So, you know, if they're just not there, they're not helping out, they are a milk carton advisor. Um, you know, if, you know, everybody forgets about ERISA 404C, you need to, you know, give enough information for plan participants to make informed investment decisions. You don't do that. You, you know, can certainly... Uh, be held liable in litigation. Um, and it's important for plan sponsors to manage the fiduciary process prudently. And, uh, you know, ERISA doesn't, you know, ERISA doesn't really care about rate of return. Litigation doesn't, call, you know, care about rate of return as much as managing the process. 
you manage the process and people lose money because it's a down market, well, you're not going to be held liable. But, you know, if you're not managing the process correctly and the market goes way up or way down and participants suffer as a result, that could be, you know, a problem. You don't need to hire an advisor who's the second coming of Warren Buffett. Just saw today, um, recording on a Monday, just saw today how much, you know, piles of cash he has. I mean, little Berkshire Hathaway did lose a lot of money on their Apple investment. But, uh, you know, you need to hire somebody who is a good manager, knows how to manage the fiduciary process, and knows how to put everything in place in order to limit a liability of the um, plan sponsor. Next, uh, financial advisor has no knowledge about retirement plans or is not supported by those who do. Um, we don't see it as much as we do anymore, but there used to be advisors out there. They used to have like one plan on the books. They used to call it the Barney Five Advisor. And the reason I call it the Barney Five Advisor is because Barney Five on the show, uh, the Andy Griffith show, had like one unspent bullet in his pocket. So he never, never loaded his gun. It was that. Yeah, that bullet was in his pocket. And he ha used to have advisors out there who had like one plan on the books. I, I knew a guy out there at Long Island years ago. He was a broker working out of his house. I met him one time for breakfast at a local diner, I think in Albertson, Long Island. Alberts, yeah, Albertson, Long Island. And uh, it was clear that he had no knowledge about 401k plans. He had no interest but yet he still had a plan on the books. You need to have an advisor out there who knows what the heck they're doing. They And if they don't know what the heck they're doing, they're working with plan providers that do. Um, obviously, you know, I always tell advisors, you know, listen, there's value in partnering up with TPAs who have knowledge about plan design, this, this, and that. Uh, you know, it goes back to that whole back to school uh, joke where Thornton Mellon in the commercial says, if you want to look thin, surround yourself with, you know, fat people. And uh, when you want to look smart in the 401k plan business, you surround yourself with, you know, smart 401k plans. Smart 401k plans. Smart 401k people. Um, you know, Rich Larita was a salesperson uh, that I'd worked with for about 10 years. And Rich Larita was the greatest salesperson I ever knew. And I always joke, Rich Larita couldn't spell 401k if you spotted them before the O, the 1, and the K. Um, but Rich knew that. Rich was great uh, in the people business. He knew how to treat people. You wanted to like him. He was that likable. I mean, um, uh, he was that likable that I always remember Goose Gossage met Rich and I at a signing in 2000 two or something like that and Rich ran into Goose Gossage at um, at a Matrix conference. Matrix would always have those annual events at some ranch out in Colorado, Keystone or whatever it was. I'm, I never went but uh, he ran into Goose and Goose remembered him. And when Goose was a guest of mine at that ill-fated national conference in Disney World during the pandemic, well at the start of the pandemic, Goose remembered Rich. Um, that's the type of guy that Rich Larita was.
but literally, again, Rich knew his limitations. Uh, he didn't know Arisa Fulkane, didn't care, but he brought us in. He, you know, if there was a DB client, he'd bring in an actuary. If there was, you know, again, uh, trying to get a client on board and they had discrimination testing problems, they brought me in for the meeting. Uh, and, you know, obviously that helped clients and, you know, it certainly helped me. That's why, thanks to Richard Lurita, I, I knew that I had it in me that I could start my own practice and, and be successful at it. It's because of that, you know, experience. And uh, it's important for client sponsors to have a financial advisor like that. Uh, somebody who certainly knows the ins and outs. Uh, and if they don't, um, they surround themselves with those that do. Those are, to me, the best advisors out there. The best advisors who have knowledge are the best advisors who know they don't have the knowledge and try to surround themselves with those that do. Uh, I think that that's a win-win for plan sponsors. I think that they certainly uh, do well in that situation. Uh, I think it's important to have a good TPA. I think it's important to have an arrest attorney, you know, around, whether it's, you know, somebody like me or somebody on the TPA side, um, you know, it's, it's all about, um, having a great team, having a great lineup that, uh, certainly does well for the plan sponsor. They get protected, uh, and it's important to have that. And, um, next on the list is, when the financial advisor puts your needs second, um, the needs of the clients always comes first, in my opinion, especially those in a fiduciary setting. Um, there are still advisors out there that, you know, don't do that. Uh, you know, they push people to their own investments. Uh, you know, the whole, you know, rollover business nonsense. Um, you know, some people want to sell, you know, commission-based product, and hopefully with this new, 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 new rule, um, uh, hopefully that'll put an end to it, um, you know, and uh, plan sponsors should also be um, interested in replacing what I call the wedded advisor, um, and I think the wedded advisor is somebody who only wants to work with certain platforms and certain TPAs, and we used to have that when I worked with the TPA business. If we got a relationship with the advisor, they would simply move all their plans to us, uh, regardless of whether it was a good fit or not. Uh, what's good for the advisor may not be good for the plan sponsor. Um, it's important that for a good advisor that it always makes sense for the plan sponsor. And, um, you know, I don't think I should change because, you know, you're working with a certain TPA. That's how I see it. Um, you know, and sometimes this would happen and you get a bad fit. And again, I think it's it's the needs of the plan sponsor are uh, paramount. Uh, if an advisor wants all their plans in one place, that's their problem. I think that the needs of the plan sponsor always outweigh the needs of the advisor. And so if you have an advisor that wants to go into business for themselves, and do what's best for them at the expense of the plan sponsors. That's obviously somebody um, that should be clipped. Uh, next, financial advisors are relative to one of the owners uh, 
uh, or participants. Um, there have been so many situations in the past where you know you'd know of an advisor who's merely hired because they're related to somebody. Um, years ago, we when I worked at a TPA, we had an advisor who was fired off a plan. And then within three months was rehired and didn't make any sense. Why, why would, why would they fire this, you know, well-known, uh, successful advisor and then immediately rehire him? Well, we found out that, uh, the advisor was fired. The new advisor, uh, was friends of the new CFO of this company and was kicking back part of the fee to the CFO. The HR director complained, blew the whistle, canned and then it was investigated and the CFO was fired the broker was fired and the broker that we had known that brought us the business was rehired uh, I'm not saying that that happens quite a bit I'm talking about one experience but you know hiring somebody just because they're related to you is a bad idea um, too often you know my family I swore up and down I was never going to go into business with any family member, uh, only because I saw the experience of my family members getting into business with each other, with each other and how it was an absolute failure. So that's that's obviously something really really important uh, to focus on, and I think that you know advisors should be hired because of the right fit, not because they're juiced in, because you know they work for the bank that gives the company a line of credit because they're related to somebody or whatever it may be, you know, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's me. I come from the ideal, like in my village, you know, you have school board members and they have relatives on, on staff. Um, they will say, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't vote for it. I abstained. But, you know, I always say that situations where it looks bad is bad, regardless of whether it's a breach of fiduciary duty or not. It just, you know, it suggests impropriety. And, you know, you want everything to be on the up and up. Uh, it shouldn't be like something that, you know, should be considered as looking bad because it looks bad, kind of smells bad. And, uh, you know, there's so many different avenues to look at an advisor and, you know, I just think that uh, just having somebody on board just because they're juiced in, they're related to somebody or related to some company that gives a benefit to the plan sponsor in some fashion or another, it's just a bad idea. It looks terrible, and it's not something that, you know, I'd want to do. Maybe because I come from a family of idiots. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Um... You know, there are so many financial advi advisors out there that, you know, I'm not related to. Uh, that's that's a good thing. So, um, you know, I'm not related to any financial advisors. So I don't have that problem. But I'm not going to give a handout to anybody in my family because, you know, nobody gave that handout to me. Everything should be on the up and up. Appearances uh, in this game are everything. You know, I've seen... I got a client now, financial advisor, had a plan sponsor, and there was ads looking for a class action lawsuit. 
and it didn't go anywhere. Uh, but you know, it, it was it was a smaller, medium size, you know, a couple hundred million dollar plan that had this issue. So, you know, I think it's important that everything should be on the up and up, and that uh, you know what, charity begins at home. You want to start a charity for relatives? That's great, but don't use the four hundred one k plan as that charity. And last but not least, you know, breaking up is hard to do. It's it's not easy, um, and it's it's a process. Uh, it's not fun. Um, it's not fun firing people. You know, I had to hire. I had to fire. I don't know. What am I on the fourth gardener in the last? You know, fifteen, eighteen years. It happens. Um, it's not easy clipping somebody. Uh, but you know, um, there are certain situations where where you have to. So. Hoping you enjoyed this fun-filled episode of the 4 k Podcast. Tune in next week for another fun-filled episode of that 4 k Podcast. And, of course, go to that 4 site.com. Like I said, probably by the end of the week, uh, probably by the time this episode drops, actually, you'll have the link to sign up for our events. Um, and uh, that's that. Um, as far as game tickets for the event, uh, I don't know if we're going to do a nominal charge, but we'll do like a whole RSVP process to cut down on the number of tickets I buy. Because, you know, you buy 30 tickets and, you know, five people show up. But uh, we'll talk about that later. But go to that 4 that site.com for further information on all our events. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>